Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. And it's Share the Show Tuesday. On Share the Show Tuesday, we ask you to either share the show, your favorite episode or this episode, across your social media, or identify a person in your life who you think has either just gotten absolutely sick of the news and the BS and has given up, cannot find a source to trust, or somebody who you think is ready to let the scales fall from their eyes. And I think like a lot of the people who listen to this, we would all rather just go about our business, live our lives. But the fact is that what's happening in the world right now and the propaganda that allows it to happen is too important. This is too critical a time for us to just completely put our heads in the sand and that people who we love and know and live with and work with, our kids, our family, our friends, they are being bombarded by this propaganda night and day, and they don't know what to make of it except for the narratives that they're being fed. And some of them don't even know there are alternative interpretations, and they're just stuck in this weird place of cognitive dissonance where they just don't know what to think. So turn them on to this show, you know, a person you think might appreciate a different reading of the news. Turn them on to this show and maybe together we can make these connections and puzzle through some solutions or at least some safe spaces of our own where we can function even in a world that seems to have gone completely absolutely mad so that's where we are we hope you do share the show today and now on to our first big story of the day something that is a subject that we have covered for a long time uh we Binkley and I had a WSB show, Monica Perez show for years. And one of the big things that we talked about a lot and maybe was a reason why we were unceremoniously dismissed from that job was covering Jeffrey Epstein. And I have my thoughts about it. Binkley brought a lot to that conversation back in the day before these intrepid mainstream media journalists covered the story, of course, only after it was okay to cover the story. But now let's hear what what is the latest on, well, I guess Epstein may or may not be dead, but and Ghislaine Maxwell, I actually think, may or may not be dead. But there is a, a charcoal-sketched trial going on right now. What do you got on it? Yeah, I'd say this intrepid journalist did a better job of covering up some of the more important facts of the story than they did actually covering the story. But I've talked about that in the past. Today, we're talking about the trial of Ghislaine Maxwell, which started yesterday. The first person on the stand today was Jeffrey Epstein's pilot, the man who flew the Lolita Express for 20 years. And he said a lot of things, a lot of things that we already knew. He recited a lot of the names from the little black book people he saw on the plane. But he did say this, and it's how this was reported that I find the most interesting. He said that He never saw anyone having sex on Epstein's Lolita Express. Never saw it. And that's how the media reported this, that he never saw any sex on the Lolita Express. The assumption being that, you know, the pilot would be watching people have sex on a plane while also flying the plane. But all the major news outlets reported this 
as though this pilot were exonerating Maxwell and exonerating Epstein of anything they've ever been accused of because the pilot never saw any sex on the plane while he was flying. And this type of reporting is pretty bad. If you just glance through it, it's misleading. You say, oh, wow, maybe it never happened. What they left out of all their stories is that the pilot also said that the cabin door on the plane was always shut. It was always shut. So, of course, he didn't see them having sex. The door was always shut. So he very specifically said he didn't see it, which is you wouldn't expect him to see it. I've never actually seen the pilot. I mean, not in years. You just don't you do not have to interact like that. So whose pilot watches them have sex while he's flying the plane? And why? Why is that even? Why is that an important piece of testimony? What what is she really on trial for? They're trying to basically exonerate Ghislaine Maxwell of being the firsthand woman who is bringing these girls in to have sex by saying that all these accusations of sex and stuff that were going on on the plane, we don't even know if they're true because who witnessed them? This guy was his pilot for 20 years. Surely he would have seen something. He also was kind of one of his like really inner circle guys. Epstein bought this guy a house like right next to him. I think it was in Florida. So if there's anybody who was not going to re- reveal secrets, it's probably this guy. I'm sure he's got a lot of threats that have come in. Yeah, not to mention that the butler who had the black book in the first place, spent more time in jail than Epstein and died shortly thereafter of a, I think maybe even a weird disease. Yeah, it was bizarre that he got more time than Epstein and he died. This whole trial, to me, it's like the elites on trial, kind of. What you know, In Ghislaine Maxwell, people are saying, are they going to bring down some of these elites who were involved? I'm not going to hold my breath. But it's interesting to see where it's going to go. I think it's probably going to end up covering it up more than anything else. Well, a book I read called The Franklin Cover-Up was about the, I guess it was the boys' town and some Republicans and stuff who supposedly did some really serious stuff, not just pedophilia and pederasty, but some murders, stuff like that, really bad news. And some of the Kids, victims, teens, young adults, maybe at that point came forward and they, I believe, spent time in jail for perjury because the the people they accused got off. So it seems to me like there's a very big chilling apparatus at work for this high profile pedophile stuff. But I mean, the only the only person you're ever going to take down is someone who's out of favor, who doesn't know anything against you otherwise you gotta they have to have a heart attack as soon as they're arrested something like that like it's a tricky business and i I don't think killing people is beneath them at all i think they do that to keep it covered up people have weird stories about nicole kidman's father who is supposedly a psychiatrist that kept the victims of pedophilia quiet and then there was some big scandal where a bunch of them came out and then he like mysteriously died in some back stairs in a hotel not that long after. Yeah, I mean, that that was like the conspiracy scuttlebutt at the time. And of course, she was she has her own weird kind of story. She's the only one who survived being married to Tom Cruise for 10 years. And they did that movie Eyes Wide Shut, which doesn't make me feel like she's totally 
uh, immune to that kind of secret society stuff. I don't know. I mean, it gets kind of weird. Yeah, I'd say kind of is an understatement with this group of people. You know, and you know, I think that there's, I don't know if Ghislaine Maxwell is alive or dead, if if Epstein is alive or dead, or her father died, even if her father died the way supposedly he did, said he, he fell off a boat, and some people think that he was actually, some people think he was executed by Mossad, some people think he was rescued by Mossad because he was circling the drain, he was going bankrupt, and maybe the same thing happened to her. You know, it's hard to know. They either, they can rub these people out or they can rescue them. I just don't know how it works. Yeah. And there was another line in there that I think that you'll you'll find funny is that they referred to Jeffrey Epstein as a 21st century James Bond for his mystery and money. This is what the defense said. Wow. Anybody who read that Vanity Fair article realizes that he was probably just a cover man he probably had all that money the way i think of george soros that he'd like they put him in that position so that i mean he had like one client and had tens of millions like a billion dollars or something and he just had no real viable business he had no real sec filings it seemed very shell-like as if he were an intelligence operative who and some people say it was for mossad where he would put these people in compromising positions and have those girls there as honeypots to get information from the guys and then report later. Yeah, and some people believe that Ghislaine was the spy and they're, and Ghislaine's defense is calling Epstein the James Bond-like figure. Oh, yeah. Well, Ghislaine's father, well, I think six Mossad chiefs came to his funeral. I mean, if anybody is the, the handler, it's her. Yeah. Interesting. So there was just another little thing about women on trial that I noticed in the Wall Street Journal today. So are you aware of this Elizabeth Holmes? She is she was the one who started that company, Theranos. She was a darling. The company was for diabetes monitors, I believe. And I guess there was a lot of like fraud, cover up stuff like that, which was revealed or blown the whistle by uh George Schultz, was it? His grandson who had a job there. People like Rupert Mur- Murdoch were invested in her company. And when it started getting slidey like that, the Wall Street Journal brought her down so hard. It was really a one man hit job by Rupert Murdoch on this chick. Now she's on trial for all that kind of malfeasance and such. And her, I was, uh, my jaw dropped when I read the headline today. Theranos accuses, um, Longtime boyfriend, where they have a, just a long history of lovey-dovey back and forth. He was her number two at the company of psychological abuse, of sexual abuse, all that. And that she entered into this abusive relationship of which there appears to be no evidence whatsoever because she was raped at Stanford. It's the first I've heard of that. It absolutely calls to mind the Stanford rape scandal where the a guy was... Somebody, some, I think, foreigners on bicycles called in a scene behind a dumpster where a Stanford guy was supposedly raping, uh, I think, a Stanford girl. But she didn't. They were both so blistering drunk that neither of them remembered it to the point where she actually at the trial or thereafter said, I don't even remember what you did to me. And that's when the father wrote a scathing letter to the judge saying, you've ruined my son's life. And like 
he's not a rapist. So I don't know what the real story was there. I was never convinced by the accusations, but you have Stanford rape in your mind. And like, that sounds like a plausible story. And my point is just that this idea of believe the woman is a total moral hazard. It can lead to this kind of thing where you can make false accusations. Now, false accusations like that are not unusual. People do it in divorce proceedings, stuff like that, to save your own skin and it doesn't actually get the other person in trial. It's not like being bearing false witness at another person's trial where he's going to go to jail for it. But I also, I this particular thing kind of drives me crazy because what she's saying is she's vulnerable. She was a victim. He undermined her confidence. She was a victim of sexual abuse and all of that. Believe the woman. Hashtag me too. But at the same time, what you're saying is it is sexist and uncool to think of women as being vulnerable because of their sex, because of their disposition, because of their physical, their anatomy, right? It's like rape is is mostly of men against women. And that is at the heart of what makes men and women different is just a lot of different actual physiological things. And it seems to undermine, you know, that whole believe the woman thing and the vulnerability of women uh, seems to undermine the claim that it's it's wrong to recognize that there are differences, whether different challenges or not. I'm not saying I, I wouldn't like to be thought of as less competent because I'm a woman, but at the same time, this seems to be a defense uniquely suited to those kind of stereotypes. So her defense for her fraudulent company is what happened to her, what she says happened to her in college? Is that Well, that's that's so the the thing is she what she's saying is she was raped and that led her to be in this destructive relationship with the number two guy who was really undermining her at every turn. Okay. But that's but it doesn't seem to me the record I've seen so far does not bear out that this guy was that it, it looked like they had a, a good relationship. Yeah, it sounds like they're trying to pull in some heartstring points from the audience or the uh, the the jurors. Uh, yeah, or make her not culpable. She's under duress. She wasn't thinking straight you know, the PMS defense or whatever, different kind of, you know, she's a victim of trauma. Your I don't honor, know. I'd like to raise the but, PMS uh, defense. I'm a little bit of a, the PMS defense, or was it the Twinkie defense? I don't know, where you just, the the chick was so crazed. I think she got off too, that she did something that she would not have done in her right mind, but it was hormone related. I actually think that's kind of reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> but of As course, that I. under that undermines this idea that there's that a woman could have her finger on the button because that's what they used to say in the day. Like, you can't have a female president when you have nuclear weapons because uh, she'll just wake up with PMS one day and press the button, you know. So if you're going to say that she is a, an irrational homicidal maniac, literally hysterical, that, it, you know, they just mush everything together. It's like cultural appropriation and multiculturalism and lack of stereotypes. Like, I can't keep up with the cognitive dissonance of all the identity stuff. But I do have massive cognitive dissonance from an article today from the from in the Wall Street Journal about the CDC. This was the this was the headline and the subheadline. CDC says everyone 18 and older should get COVID-19 booster shot due to the Omicron variant. Okay. That's what it says. It says 
the Centers for Disease Control strengthened its COVID booster shot recommendations, reflecting the potential threat the new Omicron variant poses to the pandemic response in the U.S. and worldwide. And then later in that same article, it says much remains unknown about the Omicron variant, including its relative infectiousness, severity, or to what degree it might evade the immune response from prior infection or vaccination. It says, but here, but there's so, so they have absolutely no idea if the vaccine will work for it. But that's the but it is the reason you need to get another dose of the same vaccine that they have no idea whether it works or not and did not reflect the Omicron <gasps> scary variant at all. A scary variant that has 35 different uh, 35 variations like amino acids that are different out of out of like 3,500 in the spike protein. So whatever. Um, I think there might be 35,000 altogether and only 50 variants altogether. So it's weird that they're all in the spike protein. It makes you think that my theory of the AstraZeneca effect, that all of these variants came out of where they were doing the AstraZeneca trials since the trials were on the spike protein. And although there, it isn't two thirds of the number of amino acids in the whole thing are not in the spike protein yet. Two thirds of the variants are way disproportionate amount of the variations, but whatever, that's going to get a little mushy. But there was one other thing I wanted to say about this, which is they are saying that it's, they don't know whether or not prior infection can impart immunity here. Now, I think it's well established that prior infection in any any disease, assuming germ theory is correct, let's just assume that, even though I don't, but that you have a broad spectrum resistance to many, many related variants if you acquired the infection naturally. But if you acquired immunity from a vaccine, you have a much narrower set of uh, effective immune responses. So they're saying you can, they, they're seeing people get it again, even if they've had COVID before to get this variation. That would mean to me that the vaccine is unlikely to be effective. And then, of course, you always have that increased risk of vaccine enhanced respiratory disease where it produces antibodies but they're not neutralizing they're actually enhancing the possibility of the new virus to make you sick it's pretty messed up but anyway so see watch out for all those things coming down the pike that people have already had it yada yada yeah and the fact that they're just saying we don't know anything about it but you need to get the vaccine because of it is outrageous i mean no evidence required at all anymore I think we've gotten to the point where it's clear that, I mean, there are just some people who are going to take this thing as far as, as far as they really they're just tied to the back of that with? pickup truck and they're just going to get us dragged, dragged down that road as far as it's going to go. Well, the metaverse has emerged around COVID. I don't know if you can get COVID in the metaverse. Maybe, maybe your avatar can get COVID perhaps, but I found a story today about a 12 year old kid who has earned over $350,000 selling NFTs after just a few months. So here's the story. He's a 12-year-old from London, and he's been creating the NFTs. started creating them in June, and then he started selling them two months ago. And it's a collection of NFTs called the Weird Wells. And currently, the cheapest one of the NFTs online right now 
is just under $2,000 worth of Ethereum. And he learned to code, learned to code by watching online tutorials and through guidance from mentors he met in Discord communities, a 12-year-old in Discord communities, that seems a bit strange, but that learn to code theme keeps popping back to me. Hmm, you were on right. that for a little while. And I listened to some other metaverse stuff and how people are going to make money in the metaverse. And a lot of it is centered around learning to code and creating that metaverse universe. And here this kid learns how to do it. He launched it in July, sold out in nine hours. And he also made an extra 80 Ethereum in a single day. And, 80 Ethereum? Yeah. That's what okay. it says. I think at that time, it, Ethereum wasn't as high as it is now. It was still pretty high, so that's a good bit. Because that would be like three hundred thousand dollars. The article verified it by because they had a, they showed his crypto wallet. They showed it to CNBC, and so you could see that he had made over three hundred fifty thousand dollars. And he told CNBC he was interviewed. That he oh, he did make three hundred thousand dollars because that is what it would be. Yeah, he expects to be over $400,000 by the end of this month. And he says he plans to keep it all in Ether and not convert to any fiat money, is what he told the news. This is a 12-year-old again. And he said it might be early proof that in the future, maybe everyone doesn't even need a bank account. All they need is an Ether address <laughs> and a wallet. <laughs> like Twitter? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then he added that he might create a bank account just for tax purposes. Again, a 12-year-old. And he went on to say that when people buy weird wells, whales, they're investing in him and his future, and that if he carries on as he has been carrying on, he might end up like other tech entrepreneurs out there like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. So where do these NFTs get used? Are they avatars? Are they skins? Like, what, what is it? Why would you buy one? Can you use it in Poker City? I've been trying to wrap my head around why you would buy an NFT for the past couple of weeks. I spent a well, lot of time reading and listening about it. This is just the currency of the metaverse and the uniqueness, the fact that it's on a blockchain. It's like art almost, I feel like. Well, once, once after our Zoom party, when I was starting to understand like buying assets in the metaverse and one gal was talking about the Poca City, for example. So if you could take this kid's NFT and be a cool looking person in Polka City. So Polka City, she was telling me that it has like a barbershop. So if you want to change your avatar, if you want to get change the hair of your avatar, you have to go to a barbershop and pay. That's the economy. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe this kid has something that he can introduce into a specific city, but it's really, it's really crazy. Like they're making jobs there. They're creating a totally artificial economy that you have to get a job to get money inside it. Like it is, it, it's just, it feels like it's the, it, that because if it's expensive, I think that's a way to get people to just kill all their time in there. Because if you want to go in there and ride a motorcycle and go sightseeing or whatever, you got to pay for all that stuff. So you could actually bring in money or you could just go there and get a job as a taxi driver and then do the things you want to do in there. But if you don't have enough money, it would only be for rich people if you needed money to go do stuff in there. But they also need workers. Yeah. So, I mean, it's I so weird. I to think about the type of workers they're going to be, and coders is definitely at the top of that. If you know how to code, then you can get a job in the metaverse. People who can design virtual spaces, they need somebody, a rich person gets in there, they have their $2.3 million plot of land, they need somebody to design a house because they don't know how to design their virtual house. I'm like, why do you need a, a virtual house? I don't know. 
Well, there's going to be parties, right? Virtual parties. Somebody's going to build a virtual club. They'll have a designer build a virtual club. Right. Then they'll need somebody. She was to- telling me about a disco. To do the tickets, you know, run the tickets for the virtual club. You didn't see there. <laughs> yes, that's what Twitter said they were going to do. Because, yeah, people got to pay to get into the virtual club. It's all kind of stuff. It's I don't understand why people are doing it other than the fact that other people are doing it and they're creating this economy around making money. But I think kids are going to be at the forefront of a, a lot of this because they've been training to build these spaces on the virtual spaces through these games for the past five or ten years or so. That's nuts. Yeah, and I actually have some examples of what brands are doing in the metaverse, how they're using it that I will tell you about in the XR. Before we get to that final story of the Free 30, which is going to be about Steve Bannon and the transparency flip-flop. I want to tell you about what we're going to talk about in the XR, which, again, is going to be a little bit about what's going on in the metaverse with corporations. And a unique toy gets removed from the shelves of Walmart. We'll tell you why. And, of course, a big thank you to the sponsor of today's show, True Hemp Science. TrueHempScience.com. True Hemp Science are your CBD experts. And what makes them different is they create handcrafted, high-quality, full-spectrum CBD products by sourcing the highest-grade hemp from around the world. They sent me a care package recently, which I'm currently going through. They had some gummies in there, which were fantastic. They helped me relax. They had some Acapulco Gold Lotion, which they know I love. It has that hemp extract in there. It feels good. It smells great. They have a lot of great products there that can help you get what you need, and they will give you personalized service. So if you call them or email them and ask them questions, they will tell you answers, they will inform you, and they will guide you to the right purchasing decision. TrueHempScience.com slash PropReport. Use the coupon code, PROPCODE in all caps, and you will get a discount there. Check them out. They are a fantastic company. also want to encourage you all to check us out on Patreon if you want more content and if you don't like to hear these ads. So you can go check out our tiers there and find the one that's right for you. We give bonus content every weekday. We also do ad-free DNBXR, 50 minutes, commercial-free, Monday through Thursday and sometimes Friday. We have Friday grab bags, interviews, early releases, guest appearances, patron-only Q&As, and direct one-on-one access to Monica and I. And you get all that premium content for as little as $7 a month with more tiers offering live stream interactive content with both Monica and I and the entire Propaganda Report Patreon community, which is a great looking, highly intelligent, highly engaging community. You also have the opportunity to do shout outs and one-on-one Zoom calls with us as well. So check us out there. And now on to the final story of the free 30. All right. So as you know, Steve Bannon has been charged with two counts of contempt of Congress for failing to testify in response to a subpoena from the House Select Committee who is investigating the January 6th incident. And he wants a little bit of transparency in the case. He's been trying to convince the judge, him and his defense, not to bar him and his lawyers from sharing documents that they receive from the Justice Department with the public before the trial, which I would love to see those documents. I think a lot of other people would as well. However, The DOJ prosecutors are trying to stop this, claiming that Bannon is attempting to try his case through the media instead of in court, and they've asked the judge to limit what Bannon can release publicly through the case. I think that's interesting because Congress and the DOJ are so adamant about Facebook 
being so transparent about everything that they do. And transparency is the name of the game with the Great Reset. Yet when it comes to these court filings and documents related to the January 6th insurrection, they don't want any transparency. They want to keep it behind closed doors. While Absolutely. Saying, Show it to us. I, I agree with Bannon. What the DOJ said yesterday is they said allowing the defendants to publicly disseminate reports of witness statements will have the collateral effect of witness tampering because it will expose witnesses to public commentary on their potential testimony before trial and allow a witness to review summaries of other witnesses' statements recounting the same events or events. A little bit of a double standard from the DOJ here. Well, I was thinking Bannon had... I mean, he was a he was a media guy. Before that, he was an a navy guy. Like, I think there's a lot of media government overlap, and not just the CIA telling you what to say. I mean, actual people. And I know that Chris Cuomo. I'm not suggesting he's in the CIA. He's clearly not intelligent enough for that <laughs> for intelligence. But he was in the news today, and it just your Bannon story reminded me of that. In, in that the attorney general of New York is subpoenaing or um, even revealing an investigation into Chris Cuomo, not only giving his brother, Andrew, some some tips on PR when he was getting accused by women of inappropriate behavior, but he was actually using CNN resources to dig up dirt on those chicks. So I think you did... Uh, mentioned that before. I think I might have heard you say that before, but now calls are emerging to get rid of him. Now, Jeff Zucker of CNN declined to do that previously. I would imagine that the minute Andrew Cuomo fell from grace, that Zucker would want to get rid of Chris Cuomo because he's so awful, but he couldn't just drop him immediately or it would have looked like, well, he was only here to to spin you know, to as a as a bridge to Cuomo. And I think they would probably like to get rid of him, but it's not looking good for Chris Cuomo, which would make me happy because, I mean, not that I ever watched CNN, but he really irks me. What I found strange about that story is that it was a story at all when everybody on the planet knew that and expected that. You know, if Chris Cuomo or Andrew Cuomo were to walk across the street and help an old lady cross the street, that would be news because we all expect them to push the lady out in front of a bus. You can't watch Chris Cuomo's show without feeling sexually harassed. That's just the way they carry themselves. Yeah, that's a good point. There was one little line from this article that I just thought was, this is the line. The shocking batch of evidence indicates Cuomo crossed boundaries of journalism ethics, but also misled CNN viewers when he claimed he didn't contact reporters on the ex-governor's behalf. But here's the thing. When I first saw that Chris Cuomo, I remember the minute I heard Chris Cuomo for the first time, I thought I didn't see his face. It was just audio. And I thought, what an awful journalist. He is awful. Like, why is this guy on CNN? He is the worst. This was way back in the day. Then I saw it was Chris Cuomo. I nearly fell off my chair. I was like, seriously, the brother of the governor of New York is as obviously he's there because of the governmental media continuum. And the re and it was clearly not a free press. It's like in Italy, Berlusconi became president. 
And he was the Rupert Murdoch of Italy. He owned the newspapers. When you own the newspapers, you're clearly not reporting the press for the benefit of the Democratic public. You're spinning it for the interests of the elite in government. That's why he shouldn't have been there in the first place. And this is exactly what you would think would happen. Completely. Did you see the part about Alec Baldwin? That one of the sources, Chris Cuomo's sources, had told Alec Baldwin to do like a 14-minute or 12-minute rant on, I think, Instagram, defending Andrew Cuomo. He didn't do it. In, in Chris Cuomo's defense, Chris Cuomo told him, tell Alec Baldwin to stay out of it or something like that. But just the fact that somebody's urge was, we better talk to Alec Baldwin and get him on the job is a little strange. Wow, no, I completely missed that. Because he's a complete operative, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, Alec, wow, that's really interesting, given what's happening with Alec Baldwin now. Like, if you feel like he's your go-to for any bullshit that you need to spew on behalf of the government, I would be. I would think he was a prime candidate for a false flag. That's a great point. Yeah. So, a couple of really awesome, awesome things that I want to tell you before we wrap for the free portion. One is that... Our surprise guests on the DPP this week. So if you're a patron, patreon.com slash propaganda report of a party tier, which I believe. So there's Truth Sponge, which is content and Patron Saint, which is includes the Zoom parties. But then there's I think it's Patron of the Truth. There used to be more than one, but uh, then you get to come to the DPP. And the DPP this week is going to be Adam from Deborah Gets Red Pilled, but he has two other podcasts now. One with his lovely wife, Emily, called Chicken Tenders, and I'm going to confront him about that title, which I think I invented. And another one called Into the Apocalypse, where he and Chud X explore unhinged conspiracy theories, ancient history, consciousness, and more. And I think we might get Chud X on the show, too, if you can believe it. And so it might be Adam, Emily, Chud X, and perhaps the Washke family homesteaders, who are also uh, Propaganda Report listeners, who met Adam through the show And if I'm not mistaken, they spent Thanksgiving together. So this I live for. Okay, I live for this. This is the my entire existence is justified when I hear people making connections like this. So you can imagine my joy when I got this message from a patron this morning saying, my husband just messaged me to tell me to listen to today's shout out. So yesterday, do you remember who I shouted out yesterday? Somebody was on the Zoom call. I can't remember. Apocalypse Coffee. She said, I absolutely love Apocalypse Coffee. They're right down the street from us. I am in tears. Amen to them. I'm going in tomorrow to hug them. That is so damn cool. We love you. Isn't that as cool as it gets? Yes. Yeah, that is really cool. I love that. I think that wraps it up for today. Well, you guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform or the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that I was telling you about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report, and you can check out the tiers there and find one that suits you. We will talk to you guys tomorrow or in the DMBXR. Have a fantastic rest of your day.